I think it's been a good time in the presence of God. So let's, uh, let's look at a couple of thoughts from our, our readings today to take with us into the week and into our lives. Okay. So, let's begin by talking about this reading from Korach. Uh, Melissa, I know that your, your, um, uh, your sound is not working well, but would you see if you can read question one for us, please? Yeah. Thank you. Korach and company. Okay, Korach, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Korach and company insist that the people of Israel don't need any intermediary between themselves and God, and therefore resent the intermediary role that Moshe and Aharon fill. Compare this objection to contemporary Jewish responses to the prospect of believing in Yeshua. Do you see parallels? Okay. Anyone? Do you see any parallels? This is Steve. Hello. Yes, Hello. absolutely. This is Richard. Yes. Oh. Jewish people say we don't need any media. We don't need to go through a middleman. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Steve, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was basically going to say the same thing. You know, uh, Yeshua is interceding for us in heaven, and he is our, uh, the link between God and us that allow us to come before God. You know, the veil was torn, and... Um, you know, that's, that's just the similarity between what they're saying back in the day then. Yeah, no, I don't blame my, our people, Israel, for thinking this way, because it, it comes out of a very highly exalted view of what God has done in choosing Israel. But it's not wrong for us to remind our people that, look, on Yom Kippur every year, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to intercede for the people. Not everybody could go in there. If anybody else went in there, they died. They were not allowed. So this idea of a mediator is not some kind of goyish uh, uh, invention. It is, it is deeply embedded in the Torah that uh, at the most important time of the year, when the sins of Israel were on the block, only the high priest could go into the presence of God and only once a year. And then... What about Moses and Aaron, uh, the Korach Rebellion? They rebel against Moses and Aaron because they say, look, all the people are holy. We don't need you as an intermediary. God was not, a, uh, uh, you know. So let's go to the second question. That brings wait, wait, wait. Stuart, Stuart, this is Rusty. It certainly I think, is. I think the other thing that I see in here is that most of the Jewish people look at Jesus as a man, not as God. And if we're going through Yeshua because he is God. Yeah, but that's, that's a very heavy, that's a very heavy uh, uh, hurdle to get over when you're dealing with people at the early stages. Uh, even if something is true, not everything is easily grasped. And uh, I would suggest that that's not where I would start with people. Uh, even if it's true, I don't think it's effective. Uh, I think we ought to at least start with Yeshua as the great high priest. That's where I would start. But let's yes. go to question two, Rusty. Read question two. In our text, how do Moshe, Aaron, and especially God himself view this 
<clears throat> view this counter-proposal that we Jews don't need a middleman. You know, uh, was God somewhat amused? Uh, 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 how, what was God's response? This is an easy one, folks. He was not amused in the least. It's very serious. It's, and, and look what he did. It's a very frightening time. Very frightening. Uh, uh, so I want you to, I don't want you to hit people over the head with this. When you, when, you, when, when you witness to Jews, the name of the game is not, let's win an argument with a local Jew. That's not the name of the game. You want to make Yeshua to be appealing, to be magnetic, to be good news. So don't hit people over the head. It's, it's not only is it not enough to be right, but sometimes being right is the worst thing. Because being right, we end up focusing on how right we are, and, that, and our sharing of faith becomes, let's show other people how we're right and they're wrong. That doesn't do much good. But we want to gently help to, shall I say, uh, pry people away from the stereotypical views that they might have that are obstacles for their considering Yeshua. We want to be gentle. We want to be respectful. And now uh, let's go to question three. Hold on a moment, please. Here's question three. Rabbi Dearman, this is JJ. Yes, sir. Uh, the Torah, uh, the Torah put two and two together to those that read it. And, and, I'm sorry, that's my wife watering outside. Uh, and if we present the Tanakh, uh, the, the uh, Torah, very slowly, maybe they, uh, the uh, Jews, the precious Jews that are listening to the Torah, will eventually put two and two together and see that the prophecies concerning uh, Yeshua, Messiah, is God. But, like you said, they will put it together. They will find out through sharing of the Torah. That's all I wanted to share, sir. That's a, that's a, I appreciate that. Let me just say one thing. We have somebody in our number here who's a graduate of Flatbush Yeshiva in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he can tell you that he had teachers at Flatbush Yeshiva who pretty much had the Torah memorized. They know, they know the Torah like you know your street address. And yet that doesn't lead them to faith in Yeshua. It doesn't lead them to faith in Yeshua. It's nice for us to believe if, if they only knew the scripture, they would believe. But that's Thank not you. true. Uh, um, uh, because it might be intrusive for me to ask him to speak. I won't tell you who it is, but I will say that I guarantee you we had teachers in, at Flatbush Yeshiva who, uh, who could recite any, pa any passage of Torah by heart. Uh, uh, I used to, uh, when, I was, uh, when I stepped aside from Avat Zion for a number of years, I attended a conservative synagogue in, in Pasadena, which had a great service a great Chazan. And there was a guy there who was a, uh, from Lebanon, he was a Maronite Christian who had converted to Judaism. And this man would chant the Torah at the synagogue sometimes. He had the whole Torah memorized. Oh. 
now I, you know, that's, uh, as, as it says in Psalm 139, such knowledge is too wonderful to me. For me, it is high. I cannot attain to it. But my point is, it's not that people don't know the scripture, although it can be that. Uh, but it's also that people have certain assumptions that disqualify Yeshua needlessly. And our privilege is to help them to see that these assumptions need to be questioned. So thank you, JJ. Now, we got a little more to read. So bear with me while I get it out. Okay. So question three. Uh, uh, let's see. Question three. Lynn Rosenzweig, would you read question three, please? I'd be happy to. Here in Numbers 16.4 of our reading, and also verse 22 and 45, as well as in 14.5 and 26, we read of Moshe and sometimes Aaron, Aaron as well, falling on their faces, prostrating themselves. Persons who prostrate themselves on the ground are signaling themselves as vulnerable and at the mercy of someone else. Here, Moshe and Aaron are prostrating themselves before the rebels, entreating them to change their course of action. Have you ever begged someone to do something which was for their own good and not your own? Any of you have that experience? Uh, it's an experience of love. I know in my family, there was a fellow in my family who was a, who was drunk for 20 years. Uh, and uh, his, uh, his mother and his siblings had an intervention with him. They, they, had, they hired a professional to have an intervention. They went and they pleaded with him. Uh, and it worked. Uh, he's, uh, uh, he's in his 60s now. He had not had a drink in probably five years or so. But that amazingly, it worked. But that's an example of pleading with someone uh, for their sake and not for yours. And that takes us into the neighborhood of intercession. In intercession, we plead with God yes. for the sake of others. And uh, I want to look at the, at the next question. Lynn, I'm going to ask you to read one more question, Lynn. Uh, this is holy ground, the matters we're discussing here. This is grown-up business. Question four, Lynn. In verse 22 of our reading, Moshe and Aaron prostrate themselves, imploring God to not destroy the Jewish people. This case and the one earlier in the chapter present a graphic picture of intercession, entreating someone to do something or to refrain from doing something for the benefit of others. Should we cultivate a habit of prayers of intercession before God or should we not bother because Yeshua has everything covered? Right. You know, there's the old Christian hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. 
since Yeshua paid it all, I don't need to intercede for anybody. I don't need to do anything, really. I've got a free pass. It's kind of like having a lifetime pass to Disneyland, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, or would you say that the pathway of spiritual maturation and of spiritual responsibility invites us, urges us to learn what it is to beseech God for the well-being of other people. What do you think? And Friedman, what do you think? I think uh, absolutely, absolutely. He teaches us out of a heart of love to, uh, to appeal to him as our God in, on behalf of others. Certainly never to assume uh, on, our, on our Savior in the, just carelessly fling it into disregard for uh, the fact that he's given us a commission to uh, treat others as we would want to be treated. To intercede yeah. is definitely an act of love and caring and is like our Messiah. You would have us do that. Yes, and it's also in the interest of our own growth. Other, uh, you know, uh, one, of the, one of the earmarks of immaturity is being painfully self-centered. And one of the signs of spiritual maturity is that we become less self-centered and more aware of those around us and that we will love our neighbor as we love ourselves and not just love ourselves. <laughs> you know, I want to say something, you know, yesterday I had a conversation with Erica um, and um, I'm just, I'm gonna, what I'm going to say to you is for your encouragement. I had an aha moment that I want to share with you. I had a conversation with Erica, and she told me about the fact that she was going to be going to Northern California to be with her sister. And I asked her if I could pray for her. She said yes. Now, when I asked her to pray for her, I was feeling rather depleted. I'd been kind of half dead most of yesterday. I was tired. I had some work to do preparing for the service. But I was not feeling especially spiritual. And I didn't know what I was going to say when I, when I prayed for her. And yet, at the moment I started to pray, the words were given me. Uh, I want you to know this. I want, maybe some of you are thinking, you know, I know intercession is nice, but you know, that's for the spiritual giants. That's for the Holland Greens and the Royal Vetters and the people who really get off on that stuff. But, you know, but, you know, that's not my style. Well, this is, I want you to know, number one, maturing should be our style. Number one. Number two, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us to pray when we don't know what to say. That's explicitly what Paul says in Romans 8, that we don't know how to pray as we ought. And if the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, and, 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 and with groans that cannot be uttered, some of that applies to the gift of, of tongues, yes, but it also applies to prayer in general, that when you go to pray, God will enable you. But I can promise you this, if you don't go to pray, you won't. 
So I want to encourage us, and I want to say one more thing. Um, uh, I took a course with uh, a man named uh, uh, Fuller, Daniel Fuller, the son of Charles Fuller, the founder of Fuller Seminary. Dan Fuller was a very interesting, pious man, very, very spiritual. I took a course about prayer with him when I went to Fuller. And we read an essay, and uh, uh, we were supposed to write a, re a report on that, and I did. And one of the points that was made in this essay, which is an important point for us about prayer, is the question, why does God want us to pray? I mean, can't God take care of the universe without us praying? Can't God take care of Elizabeth Drew without us praying for that? I mean, what's going on here? I will tell you what's going on here. God is very interested in, in our relationship with him. He created us for his, for his glory and for his fellowship. Um, when we pray, two things happen. Number one, it strengthens our relationship with God because we're going to a father and we're asking him for something. It's, if you feel you don't need your father, then the relationship is going to atrophy. But if you feel you need your father's help, then you go to your father and it strengthens the relationship. So number one, prayer is an avenue where our relationship with God is strengthened. Number two, God wants us to be his partners in bringing blessing to the world. We're not just recipients. We're partners. We're co-laborers together with him. That's what Paul says. He wants us to be his partners. And prayer is, the, is a main way in which we manifest our partnership with God in tikkun olam, in fixing the world. Uh, you know, I'm 75 years old. I, I, I don't know what happened to my 60s. I don't know what happened to my 50s. I don't even know what happened to my 40s. I know somebody stole that stuff while I was asleep. But, but I, I want you to know, I feel strongly about this. He wants us to have the dignity and the privilege and the joy of partnering with him. And so he chooses to accomplish his will in the world through the prayers of his children. So I don't want to belabor the point because I don't want you to shut me down because I'm nagging you. I don't want to get from preaching to nagging. <laughs> if you want to know more about intercession, that, that issue of Shulchan Shalana, which I was quoting from, um, uh, has other information about intercession, which I would encourage you to get. If you want to get that copy of Shulchan Shalano, which people subscribe to, but if you want to be a snorer and get a free copy, snorer is a Yiddish word that means wonderful, fantastic person. Uh, <laughs> if, if, you want to, uh, if, if you want to get a free copy of this issue of Shulchan Shalano, which is about intercession for the most part, write me at stuart at interfaithfulness.org interfaithfulness.org write me and I'll send it out to you but you got to do it today I'm not going to be sitting around all week waiting for your email Rabbi so, yes 
This is Stephen Lally. I have a question for you regarding the uh, Torah portion. Sure. Um, it, says, it says in the Torah portion that Korach and the Levites and all these families, their whole families were swallowed up by the earth and um, all their possessions. That is correct, right? That's correct. Okay, but later in Psalms, we have many Psalms from the sons of Korach. So, um, obviously, this, some of the sons of Korah were, you know, that had the wits to get the heck away from their family's tent or whatever was happening. Well, apparently, they were not, not all the sons of Korah were, were in the rebellion. It was Korah, Dayton, and Abiram, and also the sons of Korah. Uh, 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 so, um, that's a good point. So, I think... I haven't researched it, but my guess is, as you said, not everybody who was in that, that clan agreed with what was going on. Good point. Uh, Thank you. I, I told Melissa that I don't want any bright people in my services and Bible studies, but she keeps on smuggling in these smart people. By the way, I have some of my 40s left if you want to borrow. Thank you. I'll be right with you. Okay. Uh, I want to have a, just a word of prayer with you, and then we're going to go into the end of our service. Thank you for today, Father. It's amazing to me um, how without fanfare, without blowing any trumpets, without um, divine self-aggrandizement, you answered prayer, and you made this service to be cohesive, coherent, and life-giving. We want to give you thanks. And I pray, Lord, that for me and for all of us, that uh, we'd go forth from this service better people to the honor of your name. Amen. Amen.